What will happen to us? What will the government do to us? They may send us out the state. They might harm us. These are some of the fears in my mind. There's been a lot of ethnic violence. I mean, those who are suspected to be not included in the NRC would be targeted by violence. It's a precarious situation. We don't know what is going to happen. Hi, I'm Zahra Barazi, and welcome to the Paperless People podcast, brought to you by the Institute on Statelessness and Inclusion. In this podcast, we journey to India to hear the story of Babita. Babita is a mother of four and works as a healthcare assistant in a tea plantation hospital. Her husband, Umesh, he works in the tea plantation itself. For them, it's a day-to-day existence, but up until a few months ago, the family was content. Babita was saving what money she could to make a better future for her four children, two sons and two daughters. But now everything has changed. Any certainties that Babita and her family once had have disappeared. This is a true story of bureaucracy, discrimination, and how a seemingly arbitrary process can have devastating consequences on millions like Babita. In the podcast this time... How being asked to prove who you are can ruin your life forever, potentially making you and future generations to come stateless. Babita, her husband Umesh, and their four children live in Assam, in the northeast of India, bordering Bangladesh. The region is famous for its tea production the world over and has long been a center for migration for agricultural workers. It's home to around 33 million people. And despite its agricultural richness, many of these people are poor. Estimates say that about a third live below the poverty line. But despite a hand-to-mouth existence, Babita said that she was very happy. I got married at Rangajan, tea estate, Babita explains to us. I live here with my children and husband. I work at the hospital. I work at the hospital as a sweeper and live in a tea plantation workers' quarters. Every 12 days, I receive payment. With that money, I run the family and also educate my children. Our family was running well, peacefully. We were doing our daily activities, living normal lives, and the family was going on nicely. But then everything changed. The family has been asked to produce documents proving their identities proving that they are Indian and not illegal immigrants from Bangladesh. The National Registry of Citizens is to be updated. It's a process to establish identity, backed by a ruling from the Supreme Court of India. To get onto the registry, people have to prove that their roots in the province is prior to the establishment of Bangladesh in 1971. It brought a lot of chaos and confusion and worry in the family says Babita. The family gather up their documents and travel to the registration centre, losing days of work and income that they can little afford to do without. We were running here and there and here and there, and there was a lot of tension in the family. But unfortunately, they don't have a choice. The registration has to be completed. Failing to get onto the registry will have devastating consequences. At a stroke of an administrator's pen, 
everything can be lost. The right to send their children to school, the right to own your own house, and maybe even the right to be in India at all. This fear is in the back of Abita's mind as she completes the registration. But the family had been in Assam for decades. They definitely don't have Bangladeshi nationality, so surely there won't be a problem. It's more than 20 years that we have been together. I've worked at the hospital for about 23 years, she goes on to explain to us. My husband is from Assam. As far as I know, he was born and brought up at Ranganja. My mother-in-law, too, she was from here, a town in Galakhat district, about 50 kilometers from here. My father-in-law, he was from Bihar, as far as I know. While they wait for the administrator's decision, life gets back to normal. Bureaucracy's wheels grind very slowly, and months pass. A draft of the new registry is finally published, and great news. Babita is on the list. But then, devastation. Her husband and her children are not. When their names did not appear in the list, I was feeling very sad, and I was going around sharing this news to people that I am on the NRC list, but my husband and my children are not. Immediately, I called up to my mother, to my sisters and brothers, and informed them about this news. After hearing this news, my mother consoled me, saying not to worry. Things will be all right. Neighbors told me not to worry. I am running around here and there, but at first I thought that I would not be able to do it. I have collected some documents, and the rest I will collect it soon. So this is where the problem is for Babita. Her husband, Umesh, his father came to Assam from neighboring Bihar province. To prove that he is Indian and has the right to be in Assam, Umesh needs documentation from his father. But he does not have this, and he does not have a way to get it. <coughs> My father, when he was 12 years old, he came to Assam, explains Umesh. He settled down here, started working, and then got married. I have no idea when. Only after I was an adult did I get to know that he was not from here. What am I supposed to do? I'm just innocent in all this. My father did not have any documents, and that's why we are facing problems. Now that the NRC is happening, what am I to do now? My father did not have any documentary proof. We were moving place to place in search of documents. We've got my father's school certificate now, but besides that, no other documents have been found. And as Umesh can't produce the documents, his identity is unproven, and so is that of his children. The family's world has collapsed. Without an ID, a legacy putting Umesh's family in Assam before the creation of Bangladesh in 1971, his own family is now in a dire situation, and have been potentially rendered stateless. My biggest fear was that my husband and children's names would not be included in the NRC list, she explains. Now I keep thinking, what will happen to us? What will the government do to us? They may send us out of the state. They might harm us. These are some of the fears in my mind. It's a completely uncertain situation for her and her family. Will Amash lose his job? 
Can the family still own their home? And what about the children being able to go to school? If they get sick, will the hospital even treat them? The anxiety and certainty they now face is clear in Bebita's voice. The children were very sad on hearing the news. What will happen, mother? Our names did not appear, only yours. What will we do now, they asked. For this, my children were very sad. One day I cried for them that we have this problem. What will happen? People will call us foreigners, they say. People are calling us this, and my eldest son was upset. I told him, don't worry, and they also tried consoling me. Mother, you need not cry, they told me. We have to keep working hard to get documents we need. Even my husband, he is very upset. Why has it happened like this? How has it happened like this? He asks me. I am unable to answer his questions. Friends and family are doing their best to console Babita, Umesh and their children. Keep going, they tell them. It's all a mistake. You just need to get the documents and then you'll get on the list. Local officials are encouraging them too, but there are no guarantees. In the meantime, uncertainty and exclusion loom large, threatening everything the family has. And many other families are in the same situation. What have things been like since getting this news? I am Sushmita Pal. My father is Mr. Kulupada Pal and mother Mrs. Priti Pal. When I heard that our names were not there in the NRC list, I felt that the things were very bad. I felt very sorry and sad about it. It made us very insecure. What do you want that it should happen? I want that our name should be included in the NRC and I am sure that my parents will prove it. Susmita Paul, her fragile voice reading the English language message her family prepared for this podcast. She echoes uncertainty about the future, but also a determination to put things right. Along with her brother and parents, she failed to get onto the NRC list. And a similar fate has befallen some 4 million people in Assam province. Their citizenship is at risk of being stripped, leaving them in a legal limbo. The process is faulty, and particularly for the poor. Um, you know, it's an extremely difficult uh, thing to produce documentation of uh, which is which is uh, uh, close to 50 years old. So for the poor, particularly, it's an it's an uh, it's a burden uh, which, which they could have done without. Okay, so my, my name is Ravi Himadri, and I'm uh, now I'm the director of Development and Justice Initiative, uh, which is in short called Daji, and Daji works mostly with refugees, India's migrant workers. Uh, and the stateless uh, persons in India. We are asking people to produce documents in a country where documentation has not been very, very perfect, you know, nor has it been maintained very well. Uh, so documentation in that sense 
I mean, if somebody, I'm, you know, I'm from South India. If if somebody asks me to prove my citizenship, I will not be able to prove my citizenship. You know, I won't have any documentation of my father or anybody like that. So proving citizenship by going back 50 years is an extremely uh, painful process. As you can hear, we linked up with Ravi via Skype. He told us that the historical backgrounds of the whole National Registry of Citizens review exercise goes all the way back to the partition of India and the creation of Pakistan, and then later Bangladesh. Those in Assam are being asked to prove that they were rightfully in the province before Bangladesh came into being in 1971. The drive for the review is fueled in part by a genuine attempt to identify those illegally in the province, and thus better allocate resources. But it was also largely a component of nationalism, which has increased alongside the coming into power of a right-wing nationalist Hindu party. Ravi Hamradi explains more. There are cases in India where indigenous population has been rendered minorities. Uh, so there is, of course, a, there is also there is a legitimate question of migrants getting um, dominating a certain geographical region. But then this process is is burdensome, and this process uh, will render a lot of people stateless. This, pers- this process will render a lot of them without rights, without access to services, perhaps. And for the four million currently not on the list, like Babita's husband and her children, they are now facing a totally uncertain future. That they will be, despite the fact that India has made it very clear that they will not be deported. Uh, uh, there are a lot of rumours that uh, they will be sent to Bangladesh and all they may lose their job. I mean, this man, he works in a tea, tea plantation, uh, we are talking about. So he may lose his job. And also that um, he owns a house. Uh, what will happen to his the ownership of the house? Uh, the children are not included in the list. So what will happen to the children? Whether children will get jobs, whether the children will be able to go to school, whether children will be to, able to go to college. So it, it's, a, it's very anxious. Uh, situation for people who are left out or people who are, I mean, worst cases like this one, where part of the family is included, part of the family is not. And that's the worst case. You know, I mean, there are many cases like this. Uh, You know, the principle of family union is now violated here. So what lessons can we draw from the current situation in Assam? And what does it tell us about the current push to tackle statelessness? So, our focus in this podcast series, as we laid out in the first two podcasts, is the Sustainable Development Goal 16.9, which aims to ensure everyone in the world can prove legal identity. It's a well-intentioned goal, and indeed, if everyone can prove legally who they are, then surely situations like Assam won't arise, right? Well, this is the problem. Not in the way the UN goal is currently being pursued. The main indicator, so the current focus, to achieve this goal relates to ensuring birth registration for children under five. So, adults caught up in the census review, who lack proof of legal identity, like Babita and her family in Assam, miss out. The current push under the Sustainable Development Goal is totally inadequate in cases like this. In Assam, what is billed as an administrative exercise, the updating of a registry, is actually going to cause or formalise exclusion of a large number of people from the population and it will have a particular impact on an already marginalised group. 
those currently being left behind in practice will become cast out in law. And the current SCG aimed at making sure no one is left behind, that no one is cast out, well, it just doesn't focus on that at all. Looking back, not even so far back in history, we see other examples of administrative exercises, which have also led to generations' long exclusion and ever-deepening poverty for those cast aside. One of those are the stateless Syrian Kurds. So a significant proportion of Syria's Kurds have suffered for decades under a tailored policy implemented in the 60s. This policy formalised their marginalisation and rendered them stateless. It was in 1962 that the Syrian government ordered that a census be carried out solely in the al Hasaka province, a province in the northeast of the country, which is inhabited predominantly by Kurds. The reason given by the authorities of the necessity of this census was that groups of foreigners were infiltrating the northern areas of al Hasaka region, and the census was needed to identify them, a similar reason given today in India. There are widespread reports that the census was implemented in an ad hoc, flawed and irregular fashion. A 2008 report stated that before the conflict, in 2011, there were more than 500,000 persons who had been left stateless because of this census. Generations of stateless people who had been unable to access basic rights. So what are Babita, Omesh and their four children? They are clinging to the fact that the registry list published so far is still a draft. But noises from the Supreme Court are not hopeful. Whereas the authorities in Assam are pushing for those not on the list to be given another chance, the court itself wants to push on, saying that people have already had their opportunity. And all of this is far from administrative and bureaucratic. You know, in Assam has also been a place where there's been a lot of violence. There's been a lot of ethnic violence. So uh, we don't know what, uh, uh, what, what, what would be the implication for, I mean, those who are suspected to be not included in the NRC could be targeted by violence. It's a precarious situation. We don't know what is going to happen. So we have to just wait and watch and see how we can um, try and strengthen the rights of those who will be left out. The definitive National Registry of Citizens is expected to be published by the end of the year. So thanks go to Ravi Hamradi and his colleague Leander Tupo from the Development and Justice Initiative in New Delhi for their help in the production of this edition of the Paperless People podcast. There are two more country stories in this podcast series, one from the Dominican Republic and one from Serbia. And in our first two podcasts, you can hear that we have laid out what statelessness is and what the current dilemma around the UN Sustainable Development Goals aimed at giving everyone proof of legal identity are. If you haven't heard these, then good to do that too. We'd really love to know what you think of the podcast and any ideas that you may have. So please do get in touch. The best way to do that is through our Twitter handle. You can find us at InstitutesI. Or alternatively, you can also just send us an email. Uh, here you can find us at info at institutesi.org. Music in the podcast is from Poddington Bear and Blue Dot Sessions. You can find a link in the show notes. From me, Zahar Barazi. Thanks for listening.